Amen. If you would grab, excuse me, grab your Bible, 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. I enjoy singing. I was pushing a little bit, a little bit more right there. This morning I want to preach out of 2 Kings chapter number 5, and we're going to read the first 14 verses, so bear with me if you would. I try not to normally read too far, but uh, I want you to get the whole story all at once. In case you don't know the story, I want you to hear the story at least for the first time here. 2 Kings chapter 5, I hope you're familiar, but just in case... Uh, we meet a man by the name of Naaman here. And so, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of, Sy- of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is uh, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king and said, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Here you have the story ultimately of Naaman. I mean, it does continue a little bit and some things, but overall that's the story of a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a good man. Uh, He's a man of great power. He's a captain of the host of the king of Syria. 
Uh, he, in fact, he is so precious to the king that the king is willing to go ahead and send him to the king of Israel along with paying all these great things to go with him. Uh, he is willing, the king gets the attention right there. He, the king's attention has gotten because Naaman's the leper and he finds out Naaman could be healed. And so the king's willing to pay the way for him to go. And the king sends him to go get healed. Naaman, Naaman is so powerful and he's so uh, vital to the king that the king is ready to send him. Uh, he's a great man with his master, the king of Syria. He's a great man. Uh, so he's, he's got some prominence. He's got some, got some pull there. He's got some power, some influence. He's an honorable man. This isn't a wicked man. He's an honorable man. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good statement. There's few men in the Bible that are called honorable men. There are very few. Men of honor, integrity, goodness. He's an honorable man. He's not some man who's out there doing wickedly and trying to destroy everything. Uh, but he's a good man. He's an honorable man. He's not just that. He's a mighty man of valor. That's what he says at the end of verse number one. He was also a mighty man in valor. Uh, that means he wasn't just some guy who got promoted and promoted and promoted. He was a guy who was part of the battle and made sure that he was the guy who was in the fight. He'd earned his stripes. He was a man of valor. He'd go into the battle and he'd be willing to fight and he'd be willing to wage war and he'd do what needed to be done. He was a man of valor. He's not a wimp. So he's a strong man. He's a mighty man. He's a good man. He's an honorable man. He's a great man. He's got a lot of power and he's got a lot of wealth. But the man has a problem. Just that one little phrase at the end of verse number one. Just that one little phrase, but he was a leper. That's it. He was a leper. Leprosy in the Bible is very strange. There's only four people named that I could find in the Old Testament. I might have missed somebody. Uh, in the Old Testament, I know there's Simon the leper in the New Testament and maybe some others. Uh, only four. He is the third guy listed of having leprosy that I know of by name in the Bible. Now we know there are others that had leprosy and so on. Uh, but by name, uh, Moses is the first one you see that has the plague of leprosy upon him. Uh, and the Lord does it to him uh, by him purposely putting his hand in the bosom of his coat. And then he pulls it out and his leprosy, he puts it back in and it's healed. Lord showing him the power that God has through Moses. The second is Moses' sister Miriam when she rebels and goes against God and goes against Moses and speaks out of turn and the Lord strikes her with leprosy. And the only reason she gets healed is because Moses is a gracious and a meek man. And he goes ahead and he uh, beseeches the Lord and he gets healed. Or and she gets healed, I'm sorry, Miriam gets healed. The third one by name is right here in 2 Kings chapter 5, and his name is Naaman. And he is struck with leprosy. And the fourth is a man I preached on not long ago by the name of Uzziah, the king of Israel. Uzziah was, he was a king. That's two, that's, that's two great men. In fact, both of those men were good men. Naaman and Uzziah were both good men. They both had a problem with leprosy. We find very quickly that leprosy doesn't 
doesn't pay any attention to your status. It doesn't pay any attention to your position. It doesn't pay any attention to your wealth. It doesn't pay any attention to whether you're good or bad. It doesn't pay any attention to any of those things. Leprosy was a common thing that anybody could get. And this morning I want to preach on that leper, a leper named Naaman. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. I want to preach on him today. Father, I thank you for the day and we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful works to the children of men. Father, the fact that you would reach down and have any dealings with man, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? But I praise God that you are willing to come down and deal with mankind and let us draw near and let us get close to the God of the universe. And Lord, today, I don't know if anybody in here is lost, but you do. I pray they would see their need of a Savior and they'd call upon Jesus alone to save them. Father, I don't know if somebody in here is struggling with their own sin and with the problems that they're dealing with and they're saved and they're going to heaven, but they've got problems that, Father, you need to step in for and they need to turn to you. And, Father, I pray that they would. I pray that your hand would be upon everything that is said and done this morning, that all of it would give you glory and honor and power and praise and you would be magnified above all, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up and you would draw all men onto yourself today. Father, I pray that I would not get in the way of any of that. Lord, once again, we pray you would bless the day, bless the service. And once again, we pray for a trumpet to sound even now. Take us on home in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to see about this man is I want you to see the man's disease. The man's disease. Uh, We find out in verse number one that he's a leper. Leprosy in the Bible is very particular. You find out much about it in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, chapter 14 especially. Uh, Leviticus uh, gives you the dealings of the law with someone who gets the plague of leprosy. Uh, Leprosy is, uh, you read about it, you can go through all sorts of things on it. Uh, But leprosy, it starts off real small. It starts off as a spot. Uh, Amazingly enough, it's a red spot that turns white later. Uh, But it's a red spot. And then it becomes, it's white, and the leprosy turns white. And it starts to spread. It spreads very quickly. Uh, In fact, someone who believes they have leprosy, they're quarantined. Uh, By the way, they're quarantined the way you're supposed to quarantine people. Uh, Don't get me going. I'll get going. Say, what do you do? You take the sick person and you keep them away from all the healthy people. You don't put healthy people inside and tell them to stay there. Anyways, um... So where'd you get that? Just a Bible. I don't know. Maybe I'm backwards. Um, uh, doesn't make any sense to me, but otherwise, you know. Uh, you say, what do you do? You take the sick people and you put them out of the camp. That's what they did. They took the leper. If, they, if he was suspected of leprosy, they were supposed to separate him from everybody else so he cannot contaminate anybody else. And then they had a purification process. How about that? Uh, they sanitize all the area that that guy was in, and they check it for any other issues. Leprosy was so amazingly, uh, the disease itself, uh, if you read through the book of Leviticus, uh, the disease didn't just infect the person, it infected their clothes and it infected their house. And they tried to expound and and just expel that leprosy from an entire houses they would have to get to. And it'd work its way in. So what's, what's that a type of? In the Old Testament, that's a type of sin. Our sin starts off real small. And by the way, your sins, though they be as scarlet, red like crimson, starts off as a red spot. And then we tell a little white lie. 
It's already there inside. That red spot's inside. And it starts to come out. When it comes out, it turns white. And a little white lie shows up. And then you've got to tell a lie to cover up your lie. So you tell another lie. And then the lie is there, so you have to give more lies. And then you've got to keep lying to everybody else to keep that covered up so that you can hide whatever it is you're trying to hide. And next thing you know, you're an expert at being a liar. It's amazing how good men can, man can lie. My goodness. Men are so good at lying, they do it like breathing now. They lie and they cover it up and they try to make it so that it doesn't matter and, and just go ahead and hide it and hide it and hide it. And you know what it is? It's leprosy. It's eating away and eating away and eating away. So what does leprosy do? Leprosy kills the nerves. You can't feel the same way you used to feel. What does sin do? Oh, it just sears your conscience and makes it so you can't feel anything that you were doing wrong anymore. Leprosy eats away at those nerve endings and it goes ahead and, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you go ahead and uh, if you're healthy, right, your body's working fine, everything's working right, you're taking a walk, you're doing something, uh, you don't realize it, but you start feeling a pain in your foot, you start shifting differently. You walk just a little different. You change the pressure that goes into your foot and the bottom of your foot. A leper doesn't do that. They got leprosy in the bottom of their foot, they'll just tear it up. You do it so you don't continue to damage the foot. They don't even know they're damaging it. You ever look at somebody who's a sinner? And they're doing something and they do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and you're like, man, why are you doing that? Why are you addicted to that? Why are you doing those things? All you're doing is destroying your family. You're destroying your house. You're destroying your friends. You're destroying your entire life because they can't feel it. They become dead to the idea that they're doing any damage. They don't care about any of the damage. They don't see it. They don't see that they're destroying it until it's too late. Until it's too late and everything's already fallen off. Everybody, they're falling apart. You know, you know what sin doesn't care about? Sin doesn't care about your wealth. Sin doesn't care about your prestige. It doesn't care about the position you hold or your greatness or what everybody thinks of you. Sin doesn't care about anybody. You know what it does? It infects everybody. Sin is the infection that has spread throughout all of mankind. For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible is very plain that mankind, you and I, we are sinners. We were at the meeting this past week and uh, Brother Lord's Church, and we had, of course, Uriah with us, and uh, he is as adorable as ever, Right? He's smiling at all the ladies. He's fist bumping with all the guys. Everybody loves him, you know. And uh, one of the ladies, she came up and she said, he is such a good boy. He is so good. And he was. He was behaving really well. He did pretty well. A uh, lot, lot of travel, a lot of everything, a lot of, lot of services, all this stuff. He did really well. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, yeah, he's got everybody convinced, but he's a sinner. <laughs> he is a sinner. And Brother Buddy He's a good man in the church there, brother buddy. Him and I are friends, and uh, he looked at me, and and he, he was there when Uriah decided to have a meltdown. I mean, it was equal to Chernobyl. I mean, it is gone, right? I mean, he is off to the races. And brother buddy looks, and he kind of looks over at me. I said, "Told you he was a sinner." There it is, brother buddy. I said, brother buddy thought you were good. 
You're not good, are you? You're a wicked sinner right here. Uh, you say, that's terrible. He's not even two years old. I know, but he needs to know he's a sinner. Because you know what the world will tell you? Well, you're not as bad as so-and-so. I mean, it's just a little white lie. I mean, situational ethics. As long as the situation dictates that you can do whatever it is you want to do. That's not the truth. The truth is you're a sinner. You haven't done everything right, and it's infected you. And it's not as easy as, well, it's a, it's a little thing, I'll just brush it off. It's not a big deal. No, it's inside. Leprosy was inside, and it works its way to the outside. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Well, why did I tell that lie? Because it was already in your heart. That's why you told that lie. Because yourself was more important than anybody else. So you decided you needed to lie to cover up whatever it is that you're doing. Well, why did I say those mean things? Because that was already inside of you. You already felt that way. You already thought that way. You already had an inkling to go in that direction. Why are wicked men wicked? Because they show what their heart was already doing. Why is mankind the way that it is? Because it's wicked. And it comes out. And leprosy just continues to build. And unchecked and untaken care of, you will never be cleansed. Instead, you will continue to get worse. You will continue to get numbed. You will continue to have all that conscience seared off. And you won't think anything of the things that you do. And you know what you'll do? Unchecked, you know what it'll be? It'll be destruction, death, and complete and utter chaos for your life. And it won't just infect you, it'll infect your whole house. The sins of the fathers are visited onto the children onto the third and fourth generation. You know what I see in Uriah? I see his temper. Say, what do you see? I see my temper. He doesn't get what he wants. You know what he does? He'll spike a toy on the floor. He'll yell. He'll throw himself. He'll do all sorts of things just because he didn't get his way. Say, what is that? That's me. I get a little hard on him. When he starts doing that. Thankfully, Melanie's there to temper me a little bit because I, oof. Say, why? Because I don't want him to be like that. I want him to be better than me. He doesn't need to be like me. He needs to be better than me. Especially, and I know what that does to him. I know what that did to me. I know what that does to people. That anger and that, that fire that gets in there and the wrath that just explodes out and you're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else. So what are you trying to do? I'm trying to get it under control now because when he's two, it'll be a lot better if it's under control than when he's 20 and he's out there going and robbing something or beating up somebody just because. What's the problem? The problem with the world is their sin is unchecked. There's nobody there to stop it. It's infected them and they've let it grow. And nobody's looked at them and said, you got leprosy. How many times do we ignore the problem? Does it go away? No, it just sits and gets worse. And the leprosy of sin just spreads. And it just gets worse. And left unchecked, it will infect you. It will infect your house. It will infect a nation. It will infect the world. And it has. And everybody in the world, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're in here tonight, at one time in your life, you know what you had to figure out? And maybe it's today you're figuring it out. <laughs> you're a leper. You're a sinner. Here he is. 
A great man. He's a great man. It says so. He's a great man. Doesn't eliminate the fact that he's got leprosy. You say, yeah, but I'm really good. I try really hard. Doesn't matter. You still got leprosy. You've still, told, you've still sinned. You haven't done everything right. And just like Naaman, you know what you are? You're condemned as a leper. Verse number 2. The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You have the disease, and then you have the witness. There's this little girl, this little maid. She's a captive. You know what she is? She's been taken captive by the nation. She's been put as a prize, as, as a reward, as whatever you want to call it. She's been enslaved into the house of Naaman. And she becomes the maid to Naaman's wife. Now Naaman, I don't think this girl's getting mistreated at the house. Say why? Because honorable men don't treat their servants poorly. Certainly not a little girl. If you're an honorable man, you don't treat a little girl poorly. All right? Slave or not, there's a good way. So I don't think she's getting mistreated. I also don't think she's getting mistreated because she is wishing that her master would be healed. I think if he was a horrible man and he was mean to her and he was terrible with her and Naaman's wife was terrible, you know what I think? I think she'd be like, good, let him die. Say why? Because that's human nature. But this little girl is sitting there, you know what she goes? She looks over and she says, Oh man, if he were over in Samaria, I know a guy. I know a guy. You realize that uh, we always have that, right? I, I just had one of the guys that pulled up yesterday. Uh, he's an HVAC guy, you know, he's HVAC. He's, he goes, he says to me, uh, yeah, I want to come to church. He wants to be here next Sunday. Pray he comes. Uh, but he wants to be here next Sunday. And he says to me, uh, if you need any HVAC work at the church, let me know. I, I'd love to help out. Who was that? That means you know a guy. Right? You need somebody for this or somebody for that. Hey, you got a guy for that? Right? Hey, you got a guy? You got a guy? I said, here's Naaman, he's a leper, there's nobody, anybody can do anything about it. They go, well, you know, uh, well, if your good works outweigh your bad works, you'll be all right. Nope, you're a leper. Uh-huh. You haven't got rid of your leprosy, Naaman. Okay, well, the witness says, yeah, but I got a guy. I know a guy that can take care of leprosy. You know what the world needs? It needs some people to be the witness. And say, oh, I got a guy. I got a guy for that. Say, who is he? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You know what she does? She is not the person who can heal Naaman. The maid can't walk in there and tell him what he needs to do. She can't walk in there and lay hands on him or do anything else. She can't walk in there and speak the word and let it happen and have it go just amazingly. She's not the one to do it. All she says is, I know somebody who can take care of that. 
Christian, are you the witness you ought to be to a world who is full of leprosy? You know what they need? They need to know somebody can help them out. This world is lost in the darkness of sin. This world is in the place where they have no hope. They don't have God. They don't have assurance. Nothing seems stable. Everything seems insane. And they're looking around for hope. They're looking for somebody who would love them enough to help them. They're looking for someone who would care. Wasn't that the plea by David? No man cared for my soul. Naaman couldn't say that. This little maid looks over at her mistress and says, I know a guy. And if he could get to see him, everything would get taken care of. Christian, you know a guy. You know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. You asked Him to forgive you of your sins, to wash you of all of your transgressions and your mistakes and your failures. You've asked Him to go ahead and make you so you're not a leper any longer and you can have your sins forgiven forever. Does anybody else get to know Him? Because you've met Him? Does anybody else get to know that there is a secret to getting rid of all of your sins? And you can't take care of it for Him, but you got a guy. There's a man, he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He ever liveth to make intercession for me. He's the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's it. There's one God and there's one mediator, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only go-between between mankind and God the Father sitting upon a throne. And the Lord looks down at us and He says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord looks around, you know what he says? He says, you know what I need? I need an ambassador for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Jesus Christ says, I'm the mediator, but you're my ambassador. I'm the one who's going to do the mediating, but I need you to be the ambassador to let him know there's a mediator. I got a guy that can mediate. He can mediate so that your sins can be taken. Your leprosy can get washed away forever. So you can be clean and whiter than snow. So you can have your flesh come back as that of a baby's. We can have that taken care of. But the lost world will never know that if there's not a witness. Realize Naaman would have died a leper if it wasn't for this little girl. He could have gone to see all the physicians they had in Syria. You could have traveled the world to try and find the right thing. But there's one little maid that just says, there's this, there's this prophet over in Samaria. If he could get to the prophet in Samaria, I know he'd be clean. I know that prophet can do something. Say, so what's standing between the world's leprosy being cleansed? It might just be you. It might just be the fact that a little maid has more courage than you do. Could you imagine if a little girl had more courage than you did? Gentlemen, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. This little girl looks around, a servant, enslaved. 
bondage. She looks around and she says, you know, if he could just get to the guy that could take care of that. If he could get to the only person I know that can take care of leprosy, he'd be healed. You know the world's problem? They just don't know there's a guy. They don't know that there's a God in heaven who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the debt of all of their sins. That's how most of them are just going to dismiss it. I get it. Brought us the way that leads to destruction. Don't miss the second half, though. <laughs> there's still that narrow way, and there are a few that find it. What's my job? I don't know who it is. So I got to tell everybody. I don't know who will find it. I don't know who will go ahead and, and take the way, the truth, and the life. I don't know who will go ahead and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you know what it means? It means that just like sin isn't prejudice against somebody who has wealth and says, well, I won't touch them, or uh, they're poor, so I won't touch them. Nope, nope. It's all, it's all the, the spectrum. Leprosy doesn't care who you are. Sin doesn't care who you are. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care if you've got wealth and pomp and circumstance. He doesn't care if you've got nothing and you're alone in a gutter. He says, I can save to the uttermost all of them. I can take care of all of them. I can fix any of them. They don't need to show up with talents of gold and of silver and all these priceless jewels and gems. You know what they need to show up with? They need to show up with knowing they're a leper and they need somebody to take care of it. They just show up going, hey, I'm a sinner. I need somebody to take care of this because I can't fix it. They're not going to know where to show up if they don't have somebody to tell them. You know what's amazing to me? Look down just a little bit. Right, he goes ahead and he loads up. The king of Syria loads up some stuff and sends uh, Naaman and his, and his crew on the way. Uh, and he sends a letter, and it goes to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, in verse number 7, And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Christian, this guy's the king of Israel. If anybody's supposed to know the guy... It's the king of Israel. Why doesn't he know where to send him? Christian, why is it that you don't know where to send him? You ought to know where to send him. You ought to know where to turn in your Bible to go ahead and show him some scriptures and reason with them out of the scriptures that they're a sinner, that Jesus Christ died for their sins, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures to pay the debt and to raise so that they could have life, foreverlasting life. And that all it takes is asking him to save them and be the savior. Christian, why do you complicate it? The king's going, it's, how is it on me? Guess what, it's not on you. But you ought to know who to send them to. Sometimes we beat ourselves up. I beat myself up. Uh, often, you know, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Did I do, did I do everything I should have done? You can do that all day, right? 
all the what ifs of what could I have said and what could I have done and is there anything more that I could, and you could beat yourself up for forever. But let's face it, I can't save anybody. I can't make anybody do the right thing. I can't make anybody make the right choice. And neither can you. So what do we do? We do our best, but there's no excuse to not do your best. They get the choice and they get to make the decision and they get to choose, but did you do your best? Okay, leave it at that. And if you didn't do your best, tell the Lord you're sorry and then try again. Go try and win another. Go try and do it again. Say, why? Because there's plenty of people who need it. And you gave somebody something. Yeah, it wasn't my best work. Okay, well, try again. Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't go, well, you failed me right there. I guess I'm done. Oh, we try again. And we try again. And we try again. And the just man falls seven times and rises up again and gets back up and he goes, okay, I'm going to try again. And you say, well, how many times can I fail him? Well, 70 times seven in a day. The Lord says, I'll still forgive him. In just that one sin. Oh, I failed him again today. Okay. Try again. Try again. Try again. Then what could you do? You could learn to be a witness by just trying again. Now, Brother Ron's back there. Brother Steve's right in front of him. These two guys over here. Hey, Steve. Uh, do you cut down a tree the same way you did the first time you ever cut a tree down, or did you learn some things after that first one? <laughs> Learned a few things, huh? Brother Ron, digging, digging and doing and excavating and getting all, you, you learn a couple things after that first try? You know, maybe just a little bit. I mean, these guys, I trust these guys with both of those projects all the time. I got a guy for both of those things right there, guaranteed. I have no problem recommending them for any of that. But we learn a lot after the first try, and the second try, and the third try. Say, well, I just, I don't know all the places to send them. You don't need to know all the places. Find a place to send them and then start working from there. And go, all right, I can start here. And we can start at this verse, and we can go over here, and we can start. Learn. <laughs> learn. You know how you learn? By doing. There's only so much you can learn just sitting there going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to learn. And once I learn enough, I'm going to go ahead and try this. You learned enough the day Jesus Christ saved you. Because you learned there was a Savior. You go ahead and start doing some things. You say, well, I'm not very polished. Okay, Paul was rude of speech. He wasn't very polished. You'll be fine. All right, you saw some of the... Was John the Baptist real polished? Fine, fine clothes, real simple talking fella. You know, he was probably really... You know, the Lord complimented him and said, no greater preacher born of a woman than John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, but he was real rude. He was rough on people, and he was, yeah, no greater preacher than him. Maybe I ought to just try. See what the Lord will do. Be a witness. Be a witness. Notice where she sends him. She sends him to the prophet. Here's Elisha. Verse number eight. I got to get moving. I'm very... I'm very excitable today, though. Uh, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, 
that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? What are you making a big deal out of it for, king? Just send him over. What, what was the problem? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Uh, Elisha, just talking about Elisha in general, uh, he, is, he is the one who gets a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah. Uh, you talk about Elijah. I mean, everybody thinks of Elijah and, and, the, and the miracles and the power and the greatness. Elijah does twice as much as Elijah ever did. Twice as much. Double portion. Power. You know what he says? He says, go ahead and send him over. I already know what's going to happen. You know what the Lord says? The Lord says, Come on to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Send them on over. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. It doesn't matter how bad they are or how great they are. They can come to me. I'm the Savior, so I don't have to turn anybody away. I can save anybody. If they'd be willing to come to God, by Him. For He ever liveth to make intercession for them. He wants, he wants to go ahead and reconcile the world to God Almighty. And you know what He's doing? He's going, they can come to me. Quit, quit renting your clothes, quit freaking out, quit going crazy. Just send them over here. I can fix anything. Leprosy is easy. I got the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can wash it. Hey, uh, sin is easy to take care of. We can wash that. We have a guy. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. Send them over. The prophet has no problem taking care of the need. Jesus Christ has never found a need he couldn't meet. Not one. Not one. They may be too hard for you to win. They're never too hard for him to clean. Never. It's, it's never a case where God can't save to the uttermost. There's never a case where God looks down and goes, well, uh, I guess that one's going to be a toughie. Ooh, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm able. Nope, Lord just says, send them on over. You send them on over, if they're willing to deal with me, you know what they'll get? They'll get eternal life. I'll wash them of all their sins. That's not a difficulty for me. Is anything too hard for God? Who can forgive sins but God only? Go ahead, send them over. If Naaman is willing to go, Naaman can, have, can, can go and see the prophet. He can go see the Lord Jesus Christ. If the sinner's willing to go, he can see Jesus and decide for himself whether or not he's going to do what the Lord tells him to do. Naaman shows up at the door of Elisha. He shows up in verse 9 with his horses and his chariot, and he stands outside, and he's got everything, and uh, Elisha says, hey, go tell him this for me. I'm busy. What does he do? He sends his servant out the door. Say, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. Goes out the door. And he says, hey, that's what you need to do, Naaman. You need to go to the Jordan River. You need to dunk yourself seven times. And when you come up the seventh time, you'll be clean. And Naaman says, I thought, he was going to send, I thought he was going to come out here with great pomp and serve. He's going to make a big procession and a big show. I thought, where's the show? 
Don't I get dinner and theater here? I mean, come on. Isn't this supposed to be an amazing show of, of greatness and power and might and uh, the amazingness? No, the cure for leprosy is real simple. There's no great ceremony. People go, oh, uh, you know, uh, don't, I have to, don't I have to stand up in front of everybody and get into the baptismal waters and have them dunk me down and come up and everybody shout amen and everything's great? Nope, don't need them. You can't find one spot in the Bible where baptism washes away your sins. Water baptism washes away your sins. It doesn't show up. It's nowhere. It never washes a man of his sins. Well, you know, if I, if I come to church and they go ahead and they do all these things, and nope. Well, if I go in and I sit down in a little box and I slide the little window over and he tells me and I get to tell him all my sins and then he tells me to do all these things out there in front of everybody so that everybody can see what great things I did so that I can know that I'm all taken care of, then everything's great. Well, if I fast twice in a week and I give tithes of all that I possess, and I do all these, then obviously the Lord has got to have mercy upon me. Nope. Naaman, all you got to do is go down to the river and wash. You realize Naaman gets mad. <laughs> Naaman's mad. Naaman's mad for a few reasons. Naaman's mad at the cure because, number one, he didn't, get, he didn't get the show that he was hoping for. He didn't get to be a spectacle. I'm important enough, he's supposed to come out to see me. You ever have somebody go, well, God just hadn't shown me enough yet. You're so special, he needs to show you some more. Let's be honest. That's just a statement of pride. Isn't Naaman's statement a statement of pride? Well, he didn't come out. I thought he was going to come out here. He sends me his messenger. He sends, he sends me some lowly messenger to come out to tell me what I'm supposed to do. Aren't I special? Isn't he supposed to come out here, say some great amazing things, smack me on this little spot where the thing is, and heal me of my lepers? Isn't he supposed to do? Isn't it amazing the world has a great concept of what's supposed to happen when they get, when they get their leprosy cleansed? They always think it's something that it's never. Well, aren't I supposed to have this weird spirit thing come over me and I'm supposed to flop around on the ground and start speaking in tongues and start shouting and yelling and rolling all over the place? Not in that Bible. You can't find that anywhere. Well, isn't it that just, I mean, I'm supposed to, be, I'm supposed to turn over this new leaf and start living this great life. And I'm going, to be, I'm going to be so good. <laughs> Last year a week. It's great. Great salvation plan. Well, yeah, but I need... They always want it to be something. The world always wants it to be flashy. They always want it to be a great spectacle. And the Lord says, yeah, it's not a spectacle. 
It's real simple. And the simplicity is Jesus Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And if you'd be willing to call upon him, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is not a question of all the things that we can do and all the things that we can try and pile up and all the greatness and all the things. You know what he says to a world? He says, hey, all you need to do is come and see me. I'm the Savior. And my answer to you is that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You trust me to wash away all of your sins and I can take you to heaven for all of eternity. Well, that's too simple. Why does God have to make it so complicated for you to get it? You know what his, you know what his wonderful servants tell him? Another reason why you know he's an honorable man. The rest of his servants are ready for him to get healed. They say, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? Why is it that when, if, if God were to ask you to jump through all these hoops and do all these things, a lost man will go, okay, I'm going to jump through all these hoops, I'm going to do all these things. But when God goes, trust me, they go, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Why can they not do the simple thing, but they'll do the most complicated crazy religious system that they can possibly find and then go, yeah, I'm doing good over here. The Lord says, I got a simple way. And they go, yeah, but it can't be that easy. Well, why can't it be? Why is it that God has to make it complicated for you to get it? Well, because it's eternal life. You realize he calls it the gift of God is eternal life? Why is God making it hard for you to get a gift? He's given it of his own free will. He has decided he's going to pay for it. He has set it there and waiting for you to just take and receive it. Why is that complicated? His statement about it is, He that is a thirst, let him come take a drink of the water of life freely. Now, some of you may have some difficulty with drinking water. Obviously, we don't. Drink, taking a drink of water is one of the most simplest and basic things that we do. You know what he says? Salvation is just like that. It's taking a drink of water. It's going, hey, you know what? Uh, what could I do? Well, I could, just, uh, you know, I could just trust Jesus Christ that he'll save me. Okay. Why do we complicate it? We complicate it because we're proud. Well, isn't there a better way? Aren't there better rivers in Damascus? They're better than, than that river Jordan he wants me to go down to. Well, isn't there a better prophet than Jesus? Later and greater? We'll go with Muhammad. 
No, he's not later, he's not greater. The answer, by the way, to the statement, are the waters of Damascus better? No, they're not. It's that simple. It's that simple, Naaman. Your water over in Damascus isn't better than the Jordan River that I just told you to go bow down into. Get over yourself. No, your religion is not better. Even if your religion is the Baptist religion, your religion is still not better. Religion is a form of set-up worship so that you can attain and reach to God. Salvation is a relationship with a holy God who reached down and said, I will go ahead and meet with you and wash you of all of your sins, and you don't do any of the work. You just ask me and I'll forgive you. And if you haven't done that, it makes no difference if you're a Baptist, a Catholic, a Methodist, a Presbyterian. Just keep piling them up. Who cares? None of it matters. Because until you meet the one man who can wash you of all of your sins, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for many, until you go and see him and do what he told you to do, which is call upon me and go ahead and ask me for salvation, uh, then you haven't gotten it. And it makes no difference how religious you are. It makes no difference how good you think you are. Because the problem is you're still a leper. Recognize this, Naaman does not get cleansed until he goes down to the river Jordan and he dips himself seven times according to the saying of the man of God. Well, you know, I see what you're saying, but dip number one. You know what Naaman had? Naaman had uh, every reason, every reason to not think this was going to work. In fact, he had six more reasons after he got to the Jordan River than when he originally arrived. So what is that? Uh, Well, I went down once and nothing changed. I went down twice and nothing changed. Three times, four times, five times, six times. Nothing's happened. I mean, aren't I supposed to be getting better and better? Not when you do it God's way. He goes down that seventh time, and when he comes back up, clean as a whistle. I don't know why that saying is there, by the way. Whistles seem grossly dirty. I'm just saying. Anyways, let me back up. He comes up, and he is clean and white as snow. He's back. His flesh is the flesh of a baby, like a little child. And he was clean. So what do you do? When you do it God's way and you quit trying to do it your way, you do what He told you to do, you know what you'll get? As soon as you finish doing what He told you to do, you'll get your leprosy cleansed. Sins forgiven forever. It's up to you though. Nobody was going to make Naaman go down to the Jordan. Nobody's going to make him dip. Nobody is going to go ahead and make him go down into those waters seven times. Nobody's going to make him do any of those things. It was Naaman's choice. This morning, I don't know who's saved or who's lost. I don't know if you've ever washed and been clean. 
But if you haven't had Jesus Christ as your Savior, you never asked Him to be your Savior. It's simple. Salvation's simple. And you can have it today. We're going to go to one place and I'll be done. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Christian, if you're in here today, maybe you think about it and you go, you know, I haven't been doing a very good job of being like that little maid and willing to speak up and let them know, hey, there is somebody who can wash them. There is somebody who can take care of their sin. Maybe you need to take a moment and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me to try harder. Help me to see it. Help me to do a little bit better. Give me the opportunity. Help me to take the opportunity to be a witness and a testimony of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Let them know that there is somebody who can help them with their sin. Help them. Luke chapter 4, verse 25, he says this. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, that'd be Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Now what's the problem? The problem was there were a whole lot of lepers. We got a whole lot of lepers. There's a whole lot of sinners in the world. He goes, only one person saved. Naaman. He's the only one that got cleansed. You think the maid's the only one who knew about Elisha? Or do you think she's the only one who said that there's a prophet? Christian, I hope that's not the case for you. I hope you're saved and you're telling somebody. And I know we won't get droves and droves and brought us the way to lead it to destruction. But there's a narrow way that we can try to send them down. There's a narrow path we can try and direct them toward. There's a place where we can send them because there's one mediator we can send them to. There's one Savior we can send them to. There's one God who wants to save to the uttermost. There's one, and you can send them if you'd be willing to be the witness. If you'd be willing. Maybe it wouldn't just be naming the Syrian. Maybe there'd be more if you'd be willing to speak. Let's go ahead and stand. Christian, if you're in here today, you haven't been the witness you ought to be, maybe you ought to take some time and Go ahead and deal with the Lord up here. For those visiting, those who uh, haven't been here or haven't been here very often, uh, we call this the altar. This is a place where we do business with the Lord. We come and meet with Him. We talk about it as an altar. It's a place of sacrifice in the Old Testament. It's in picture. If you're in here this morning and you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know that your sins are forgiven forever. If I were to ask you today, Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? 
for all of eternity and you said anything but yes, there's no reason for that. The Bible says, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have eternal life. You don't need to wait. It's not maybe. It's not, well, you know, I hope I'm good enough or anything like that. You can know your sins are washed forever. Leprosy cleansed forever. If you'd be willing to come and see the one who can do all the cleansing. We'd love to take a Bible and show you out of the Word of God how you can know your sins are forgiven forever. You can know heaven is yours forever because Jesus Christ paid the debt of all of your sin. We're going to pray. We're going to have a moment here. Some folks have come to pray and, and deal with the Lord. Maybe you're in here and you're not saved. I'll invite you to come and just get my attention. And let me know, hey, I, I want to know more about that salvation you were talking about. I want to know about my sins being forgiven. Just give me, give me a little recognizing wave and I'll, I'll send someone to show you out of the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven according to God. Not according to me, not according to my theology, not according to any of that. According to the Bible. How you can know your sins are forgiven forever. We'd love to take the opportunity. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you once again that there is a God in heaven who will be willing to save if we would be willing to come. Father, if someone here is lost, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. Father, if they're saved in here and they have been a real good witness, I pray you'd help them to see they can keep trying and they can go ahead and try again and, and be a witness even today. We love you. We pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen.